Howdy, Perry sisters and allies. Beth, Annie, Nat, and future guests are here to talk about how perimenopause is affecting our lives. We have more than likely been boozing, so if you're easily offended or you're looking for serious medical advice, you should see yourself out right now. Hello, and welcome to Beth and Annie's Podcast. This is episode three, where we're exploring part two of mood. You're still not going crazy. Again, we are creating this podcast because we want to educate, validate, and normalize our experiences going through perimenopause. I'm Beth, and I am 44 years old and began perimenopause at 38, so you can start in your 30s. My summer mustache is from the sun. Not enough hair left for a bun. Why can't I have any fucking fun? It's perimenopause. And I wanted to ask Annie too. I don't know. It's not necessarily like depersonalization or dissociation. Because I know I'm in my own body. But I have no control over my own body. I cannot, like like I said, a couple weeks ago, the irritability was so bad that I just had to sort of sequester myself from everybody else. And it felt like the walls were closing in and everything annoyed me immensely. So I know that uh, dissociation is like a general term that refers to when you feel detached from stuff. Whereas depersonalization is specifically like one cell for your identity. So you don't feel like you're part of it. And maybe there are women out there experiencing those along with this other stuff too. And I guess it's perfectly normal. That leads into something we're going to talk about in in the final part of the podcast about, we're going to talk about what partners can do to support. There's a few other things you wanted to knock out in this section. First, I do want to make sure I come back to the, okay, you're sequestering yourself because things are so bad and, you know, Uh definitely have some follow-ups. What, what do you expect or not expect from your partner, from people that are close to you in those situations, but go ahead with this one and I'll get back to that at the end. Okay. Annie, what else can we do? In terms of treatment? Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'll circle back to that for a oh, second. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Anna. Um, No, there's 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 a lot that, that can be done. Antidepressants, we talked about that, anti-anxiety. Um, there's, there are also vitamins that you can take, B vitamins, valerian, magnesium, um, but you'll want to do more research if you take these without a doctor's guidance. There's the usual boring stuff that, that works, like eating, eating well, exercising, getting enough sleep. For me personally, alcohol makes me very happy. Mm. Cheers. Mm-hmm. Cheers. <laughs> I um, never touch the stuff. I don't know. Yeah, no, but it does come at a cost. Um, night sweats, and then sometimes I can spiral. And reducing your stress, that always helps. Massage, meditation, yoga, acupuncture, cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, or talk therapy really works. Changing your thoughts so that you can change your behavior, and then that, that will change your feelings talking to each other. There's a chapter about perimenopause in Ada Calhoun's book, Why We Can't Sleep, where she theorizes that Gen Xers are not opening up because many of us are working in a male-dominated field and feel as though we have to hide our women. And although I'm not currently working, so I can't speak to that necessarily, I do feel like it's important to start talking and having these conversations about perimenopause and also about our identity and how you know our roles may change as we age. And for me, I do feel obsolete um, and that in my 20s and 30s, I felt like I had a pretty clear idea of what my future was going to be. I was very driven and goal-oriented. 
but that when those, now that I'm in my forties and I'm reflecting back, I realized that I actually did not meet a lot of those goals and my life was changed and shaped in, in ways that I had not anticipated. And so now I'm finding myself at home, still very driven, but without the experience that I need to go back into the work field, although my kids are now in school. And then also, um, something that's really hard for me to talk about is the physical changes. And I know we'll talk about this more in another episode, but that's also led to these feelings of being, I don't know if obsolete is the right word, but just ignored when maybe that wasn't always the case. And that can be really hard when you notice, this is gonna sound so vain, but you know, people aren't looking at you in the grocery store that they used to, or if you're at a stoplight, you know, this sounds so terrible, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say it, admit it, you know, heads don't turn anymore. Like you're just, not the attractive person that maybe that was a huge part of your identity and now it's not. And so you really have to come to terms with that. And that's been hard for me and hard to talk about because it's, it sounds very vain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, vain and things- embarrassing. Right. I mean, I had a yeah. student yeah. years ago, like walking across campus with me and I, I don't know, it was somewhat a part of my identity, but mostly again, I'm prickly. It annoyed me <laughs> unless I want your attention, just look, go away. So we were walking across campus and Kurt looked at me and he was like, does it like ever bother you that all these people keep looking at you? And I said, no, I guess not. But like Annie said, like I kind of, I'm the opposite. I'm kind of glad now that I'm aging out of that bracket and people are ignoring me. Like go not, yeah, go, go look at her. You don't need to look at me. You know, I get that this was hard for you to talk about. I hope we'll talk more about stuff like this moving forward. So I, I appreciate you talking about it. I promise you're amongst friends and family members on this show. So <laughs> feel free to lay it on us. What are some other stuff that you can do under the kind of umbrella of talking to each other? Uh, you can join a Facebook group, especially right now. And we're so socially isolated. I think this is a good way to connect with people that maybe feeling you're experiencing like mm-hmm. things. So I joined a couple of Facebook groups and am loving it. So there's Perimenopause Thrive and Survive. And the other one I like is Perimenopause uh, WTH. So it's, it's a lot of fun. We're all going through the same thing. And we'd also love for you guys to email us and share your story. Um, What's that email address, Nat? You're really putting me on the spot here, Beth, but I'm pretty sure it is perimenopausepod yes. at gmail.com. You are correct. My boobs are tender and feeling full. I'm late and scared and irritable. Why is he suspicious? There's no other bull. It's perimenopause. We're driving it right through the front door here, folks. Uh, one last thing. Acknowledge to yourself that this is normal and it's okay. And don't wait until the rage is boiling over. Ask for support and help when you need it. Yeah, it's. I think that's easier said than than done. Yeah, yeah. That was literally what I was about to. I was about to say that's great advice. It sounds like it might be harder in practice than it is throwing it out there. Mm-hmm. So, last section, real quick, and I, I alluded to this earlier. What can your partners, which I may or may not be in this category, do to support you when you're in? Gosh, any one of these just kind of could be a fit fit of rage it could be just a deep pit of depression it could be just jittery you know beside yourself anxiety what do you want in situations like that from the people closest to you jump on this either one I want to hear from you (laughs) all right I for me personally it is and my family's really good about reading me now so they scatter they go away (laughs) 
And generally I'm like cockroaches when the light gets turned on, they're just like scuttle away. Right. I don't, sometimes I feel like I don't even really have to say anything. It's just a look that I might give and they leave. So I need space. That's what I need. Just go away because I am doing everything within my power not to explode. And like Annie said, throw a tantrum. That is what every fiber of my being is telling me to do is throw shit scream, break stuff for no reason. Just accept that I am full of rage. So any little thing can set that off. Steve, we, I like to have a long time. That's what I need. And he likes to walk the dogs with me. So we were walking the dogs and I can't even remember what he said. And I, I didn't yell, but I said something so bitchy <laughs> that he did not talk to me for the rest of the weekend. And I do apologize. I'm like, I'm so sorry. And I tell him, I, you know, I, cannot I feel like I can't control this um but I also don't want him to not walk the dogs with me so it's it's really hard we sometimes don't know what we want maybe Mm -hmm. I should say that I would say like no one to walk away so you have to be kind of a mind reader that seems to be kind of what you're getting at (laughs) and that you know presents its own set of challenges obviously Mind reading, I at least find to be exceedingly difficult. You know, sometimes I guess right. (laughs) Sometimes I guess wrong. But knowing when to walk away, that sounds like sound advice. If you're having problems, let's say you're ranting and raving about something, maybe it's an overblown reaction, something like that. Do you just generally want someone to sit there and listen or do you you want advice? Do you want someone to try to fix it? (laughs) You, you, the reaction that you just shot me tells me I know the answer anyway, but elaborate, please. Annie, do you like it when, uh, when people try to fix stuff for you? If I've escalated, there's nothing you can do to okay. help me in that moment. Like the best thing to do is just walk away and let me calm down. Um, but if you like leave dark chocolate Mars pen creams outside my door and then just like knock and walk away, like that's gonna, that's gonna work. That's gonna help me calm down. Didn't you say chocolate leads to rage? That's no. for me. For me, it's more alcohol. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 that's yeah. chocolate makes you rageful, Beth. Oh yeah. Like any stimulant. Okay. I, and so again, and it's so funny on these Facebook groups, we crave chocolate and that happened like during PMS. You were in my pre- house the other day, like foraging for dark chocolate. Yeah. I remember I was sitting in the chair and I said, I am jonesing yeah. for some chocolate right now. Yeah. I just, mm-hmm. that's all I, and I don't, I don't even know. We'll have to do some research later. Like what's in cacao that makes us it must release something up in there. You know, the, the stages of when you've had a, a harder drug, right? Like the euphoria. Oh man, I'm so glad I did this. That I can relate to. Then I become really irritable. And then I become sad that I was so irritable. And I'm realizing that it was the chocolate that made me angry. So I have to be really careful about how much chocolate I eat and when I eat chocolate, I can't do caffeine. Same thing. I mean, it sounds a lot healthier than crack or something like well, that. Well, yes, true. Alcohol for me though, it, I have to time it just right or I get horrible night sweats. So that night that I've soaked the bed with I sweat, had, with sweat, right? Yes. I didn't pee my pants. Well, but you said like, if out of context, you say that night I soaked the bed, oh. you know, people hear that and they, I'm just clarifying. I'm hoping everyone knows. Although we'll talk about, you know, vaginal yeah. stuff later. Yeah. Bladder control. 
So yes, I soaked the bed with sweat and I had had two beers like Mm. after dinner. That was all it took. That's all it took. By the way, Annie, I just want to say when you take a sip out of your cup from a profile view, but you keep your eyes on the camera, love it. That should be your thing. That is your thing. That is my thing. All right. Sometimes if somebody lashes out in one of these respects, it would be a pretty normal reaction or just feeling for the other person, you know, the person who's unlucky enough to be in the room with them when this is going on or whatever to take it personally. Right. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Wrong. No, you're so I would say don't to whoever is in the room or especially, you know, the people supporting women going through perimenopause that don't take the outburst personally, which was part of the conversation I then had with Steve after I snapped at him while we were walking the dogs was he's the type who um, withdraws. So which I then I like that breaks my heart. I can't stand to be ignored. So I, I like hen, not henpeck, but I like pick, pick, I was like picking at a scab, like what's wrong with nothing, nothing. Right. So I keep picking at it. And finally I, you know, I, and I do apologize and say, I am sorry for my behavior. Please don't take it personally. I literally feel like I cannot control this. Hate to be ignored. Okay. I don't like to be ignored. You're going to file that away. I, the, the silent treatment is it works on me. <laughs> I can't, can't stand it. How about you, Annie? For me, what's most helpful? I'm just slurring my words. <laughs> That's the look I like. Go ahead. Yep. Um, as if we have a conversation before it happens. So like not preventative, not to say like this is anybody else's fault or anybody who's taking responsibility for what's happening to me. But if we can have a conversation when I'm not escalated, like when I do this, this is what I need you to do. Like if, it, if the situation looks like this, then actually I just need you to walk away and, you know, give me... 30 minutes to an hour and then say, is there anything I can do to help you? Um, do you, I love just to drive around get out of the house. Do you want to go for a ride? Can I take you, you know, do you want to go for a walk or something? So don't match my anger with anger because that's only going to make it worse. Like wait till, and like Beth said, this is nothing personal. This has nothing to do with you. If I can control it, I would. So it's, I think it's good to have the conversation before it actually happens. So like, this is going to happen very likely again. And when it does, what do you want me to do to help support you? All right. So maybe along those lines, along those lines of support, last question on this. If you retreat into your room for an hour or you have to just leave the situation for a certain amount of time, obviously your life doesn't stop. I mean, there's still things you're probably expected to do, responsibilities that you have uh, with the kids uh, around the house, anything like that you like that stuff to be put on hold is would that be a bonus if if your partner could kind of anticipate you know what she's in a rough spot let me take care of this or let me take care of that I mean that that might be really going above and beyond but do you have expectations expectations. when you have to retreat for an hour or so if I retreat don't follow me I think that's just you know yeah that's a recurring theme with both of you yep yep yeah, let me calm down at my own pace. But yeah, no, it's always appreciated when somebody sees something that needs to be done and then takes care of it without being asked. Like that's always appreciated. My boobs are sore and I'm full of hate. Nauseous late and gaining weight. You whine why the drugstore on our date. It's perimenopause. All right, that's about my only questions. I know in... in 
you know, future episodes, I'm going to come back and have more and more questions that may or may not be directly related to my personal experience. This stuff I, I find really, really interesting. So I know I've, I've said this to both of you a bunch. I really appreciate you letting me kind of be part of this conversation. And I just feel like I learn so much every time I hear one or both of you talk about it. It's just fascinating to listen to and sorry, you're going through it, but I'm glad you're so willing to talk about it. Matt, it's a pleasure to have you here. And if you can be educated, <laughs> anyone like can, anyone can. No, right. I No, it just makes me so happy that like, uh, a male partner wants to become educated to support your, you know, theoretical spouse. Right. I'll remain nameless. Right. Yeah. So, you know, the whole purpose was this, of this podcast, because Annie and I, like I said, have been talking about it for a long time and there's not enough information. There's not enough validation. So that's why we're putting it out there. We want. I have a question based on uh, just really quickly. Do your husbands know about this stuff? Uh, Do you talk openly with them about this stuff the same way you talk with me about it? No. Annie, no? No, no, no. That's why this has to happen. Yes. You're going through this really serious thing and you're not even talking about the person you're probably closest with in the world about yeah. it. Yeah, right. What's up yeah. with that? I know that's right, a whole other episode. I don't even want to like start that conversation now, but that's really interesting to me. Yeah. Steve knows about the podcast. If I had a hypothetical wife, just so you know, she wouldn't be talking to me about this stuff either. <laughs> I have to go to my other female friends for it. Well, not even my other female friends, just you two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I wanted to talk about what your neighbor said to you. Speaking of. Okay. Like why we're doing a podcast and being able to talk to one another and like have Facebook groups. So Nat, what did your neighbor say to you? Okay. When you so, told her about this? Yeah. So I'm kind of friends with my next door neighbors. Uh, not, not like as close with them as I am with you or anything like that, but like I see them and, you know, out in the yard and we say hi and I used to feed their dog and their, their kids play with my kids sometimes. And so I was over, in their driveway, I don't know, we we're drinking a beer maybe three weeks ago. We had just recorded the first episode we had. And uh -huh. she was just kind of asking some catch up questions. What have you been up to? Blah, blah, blah. She knew that I did another podcast, which is a lot different than this podcast. And she had listened to it and been like fascinated that this was something I was doing. And I said, actually, I'm working on another project right now with a couple of friends of mine you're going to think it's really weird. You would think it would be very off brand for somebody like me. And she was like, what? And I said, I'm actually one of the hosts of a perimenopause podcast. But after I explained everything to her, her big takeaway from it was, well, why in the world would you want to put something like this out there on the internet for just like anybody to hear, you know, especially if you're not monetizing it in a huge way right away. It seems to me that, you know, your friend Beth and your friend Annie would be better suited to just do like a local book club type thing and wanted to know why that wasn't your approach. And I tried to explain why I thought it wasn't your approach, but I, I didn't want to put words in either of your mouths. So maybe I could just put it out there to you ladies right now. I mean, the first thing I said is, well, one of them's in Iowa. So the whole local sitting around a table book club thing would be challenging. Why do you ladies want to do this and put it out there on the internet? Put your personal business out on the internet, may or may not ever result in any sort of financial gain at all. 
That's obviously not anyone's primary motivation for doing this. Why not the local book club, Ruth? <laughs> um, I don't like book clubs. I guess that would be the biggest factor. And locally, I talk to my friends. And so I don't feel like I can have the impact that we could have nationally, globally, because I'm already having these conversations here. And, and I think for me, that was the big aha of like, oh my God, I'm not the only one experiencing this. This is much bigger than just me. This is actually, this is most of us. I'm like, oh yeah. And the big three things that we always say is to educate, validate, and to normalize, just so women out there know that they're not alone. And yeah, we're here. I said, haven't you ever had an issue and you've searched for it and seen it pop up and then realized, oh my gosh, there's, this is like, like a real thing. Tons of people have the same issue. And didn't that make you feel better? She said, yeah, absolutely. And I said, well, what if you went to podcasts and Googled perimenopause? Cause you're going through all this, like, and all of a sudden you found, oh my gosh, there's these women that are talking about this and I can listen to it and not feel so bad. And uh, I think maybe a lot of it might've come down to the fact that maybe she's just not a podcast person. So maybe she doesn't <laughs> understand the, the medium. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Beth, why don't you want to do the local book club route? Kind of like Annie, I don't want to be told what to read and then what questions to answer. When I think of book club, I think of bougie white ladies drinking wine, pretending to have read the book, but not, you know, basically they're just getting together to complain about stuff. Making well, generalized now, statements about stuff they read on the book jacket? Yes, yes. <laughs> or they skipped it. You know, sometimes the, the books themselves have book club questions so you can cheat. Yeah, oh right, yeah. And go back through it. Yeah. So I feel like the podcast could serve as, you know, like Annie said, a larger book club where we can get together and, you know, poke, learn some stuff, but also sort of poke fun at ourselves. And I feel like the only way to survive this is through humor. If I take it too seriously... Yeah, I I might do some damage. Also, they totally wouldn't let me show up if it was a book club. <laughs> there was like eight or nine ladies around the table talking about this. And I was just like, howdy. Yeah, I, I just thought I'd sit in. No, do I have a wife here? No, none of these women are my wife. <laughs> and let me mansplain to you just, what's right. happening to your body <laughs> right. right now. Right. <laughs> right. If I might interject. Uh, again, no, I don't have a wife that's here. I'm I'm here on my own. That's not strange, is it? No, we're glad to have you. No, I know you You two ladies. He's are, meaning if he showed up to the book club. I'm saying if I showed that up, would be uh, weird. you know, at someone's like in someone's living room. With, <laughs> if you had like a basket of dark chocolate and some wine. And... <laughs> that would be welcome. I well, that's that what I'm saying. Like, as long as you didn't talk. I would definitely have to ticket. come bearing gifts. And they would still go home and talk about me. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's wrap this one up because, uh, you know, it's only a matter of time before we get out for episode three. Our plan is to do three or four of these and then drop this thing to the unsuspecting public for them to devour. Yes. Yeah. Um, And after we have dropped them, that's when I'm going to start reaching out to individual Facebook. Like I said, I've been saving their posts, the ones that I think are funny, reach out to them and message them and invite them personally. We'll see where that goes. All right. So, Annie, do you want to thank everyone or do you want me to? I want you to. Oh, but I have to point out, I did not mention the source where I got my information for the intermittent explosive disorder. So I probably, oh, okay. I don't know, Nate, if you can like nah. that in. Did you somehow. just call me Nate? Oh my gosh. Thank you, White Claw. Thank the, you, the, White Claw. The guy that uh, I'm an AAU basketball coach. There you go. 
<laughs> should put that logo of Annie on one of the shoulders. <laughs> guy that uh, I'm an AAU basketball coach and the guy that runs like the Western Mass branch of the organization I coach for and called me on the phone the other day and we've known each other for months and, and he called me Nate as he was getting off the phone. You look like a Nate. I mean, you yeah? just do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. That's a good thing. Yeah. Right. Approachable, you know. Nates are approachable. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you see me that way, whether you call me by the correct name or some other <laughs> variation of it. And your name is right there. I shouldn't get it wrong. I it's, know. It's okay. I, it really is okay. I'll respond to either one. I just needed to call you out on it on the air. I was hoping you would do the little drink Thank motion. <laughs> I'm always good for that. Okay. But I really should um, cite the source where I got the intermittent explosive disorder information from. I pulled it directly from mayoclinic.org. So when I was talking about it earlier. Got it. Excellent. All right. Uh, So thank you all for joining us for episode two and commiserating with us. We invite you to send your questions and funny perimenopause stories to our email address. Again, that was perimenopausepod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out episode three. We will explore the multitude of skin changes associated with perimenopause. Until next time, bleed on. Bleed on. Yes, it's Perry. Yes, it's Perry. Yes, it's Perry. Menopause.